<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. It started as a scritch. Then everyone got in a fur pile, and pretty soon we were all yiffing. Gary Hoffman. Who is that guy? I love his suit. Shannon Farron. She's just a driven young woman. I don't know where she gets it. Do you guys know what this is? Gary and Shannon. Places, please. The dance is about to begin. to do in Virginia. <laughs> Let's see here. We've got Arlington. Okay. We've got the Shenandoah National Park. This uh, is Pentagon. That's technically in Virginia. Arlington. Richmond, the beautiful capital city of Richmond. Oh, I forgot about their campaign. Virginia is for lovers. Yeah. Yes. Remember that? Yep. Lovers of blackface, apparently. Because <laughs> everyone in Virginia has now painted their face black. Hey. Or, sorry. Or brown. Yes, because that's better. Uh, that's better. Uh, we'll get into that. The latest blackface confession. I've should, never. Should we I've, take calls. Mm, on anybody else want to confess? Oh, like wh- when was the last time they were in blackface? Good lord! Did everybody do this? Did we miss out Did on this in the mid eighties? So weird. And I lived in a predominantly white area. I was, you know, so I would imagine that if it was a I thing, didn't have, I, I didn't have one blackface i don't think uh episode in, in my life uh, of seeing anybody in in a costume of blackface i don't i don't remember one and I'm yet and yet they're all and... they're all they're all over that yearbook from the medical school the attorney Again, general i now. wonder if it's just that we were from california they were from virginia and i, I know virginia is. 1984 is different than virginia 1954 or 1904 but there's something going on there um, and I never thought I would look at Article 5, Section 16 of the Virginia State Constitution, but I did because they're running out of people who can serve as governor if, in fact, Ralph Northam decides to call it quits. I'm, I'm amazed. I'm just amazed. Well, the clap heard round the country with Nancy Pelosi. Oh, I thought there was, I thought you were talking about a different kind of clap. No. Ah. But I did see Trevor Noah, I believe, say this isn't the first time the president's gotten the clap. And I thought, you can do better. You can do better. Be best. You know, you know, you know, pissed me off last night. I can think of half a dozen people. Okay, go ahead. Who do you think it is? Uh, Bernie Sanders. No. Uh, Kamala Harris. No. The uh, the 10 year old with cancer. No. Well, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about girls, little girls with cancer. Uh, AOC. Yes. Yeah. That behavior was really 
unfortunate to watch. There's one thing about I, I didn't have a problem with them with women in Congress wearing white and, no. and doing it to honor the year of the woman and the suffragette movement and this and that. I get and the empowerment. And this is the first time we've had this many women serving in Congress. That's all good. Those are all positive things. But then to stand there with or sit there with your arms crossed, resting bitch face for an hour and 20 minutes of an hour and 29 minute speech, to me, did nothing she's, to improve no, your no. movement. She's, it, and she's talking the whole time. And the, it, here's the thing about her. And it, it, I guess it, it rubs me the wrong way with the president sometimes as well, is not understanding the gravity of the situation, not taking uh, not having the seriousness that you should have in your post. And he does it and she does it, and it drives me a little bit nuts. Yeah. And, and, and people will say that they that that's part of their magic. The, part of the reason why people are drawn to these two characters is because they're real people and they don't do things that they should be doing and they're outside the box and the whole bit. But the State of the Union is not – and the, the sitting in the House of Representatives – that's not the time for you no, it's not. to have a resting bitch like face. She looked like a look. spoiled teenager. So Peggy Noonan actually wrote that, as a matter of fact. The Pulitzer Prize winning uh, speechwriter, Peggy Noonan, she wrote for, for Reagan. So you can imagine that she has much more conservative credentials than would, be, than would somebody who would champion someone like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. But she said, uh, and good natured with the white jackets, who I see some on Twitter are calling the straight jackets, AOC had a rare bad night, looking not spirited. Warm and original as usual, but sullen, teenaged, and at loss. Yeah, exactly, which, which my thought. Other, now, there were other times when, you know, the president's comment about the, the, the women, this is the, the most that we've had women in Congress. No one has benefited more from a thriving economy than women who have filled 58% of the newly created jobs last year. Now, some of the women in Congress stood up and said, yeah, like my job, this job, this is my thing. And then he went on to say more women now serving in Congress. It was a nice moment. High fives, USA, USA. That was great. And listen, I know that there was a lot of tongue in cheek, sarcastic response to that snarky saying, well, the reason the women are there is because they're opposing you. That's fine. Regardless of why they're there, it's positive that they're there. But this this weird um, Cross your arms, look at, you know, reaction to what was going on. And plenty of people, plenty of people like the speech. CBS News, uh, that's how I was watching it. CBS did an Insta poll and they said that 76 percent had a positive reaction to the president's speech. You know why? Because it was an OK speech. I mean, I don't know what people were expecting when when the president gets up there and reads a speech that somebody else crafted for the most part. What are you going to expect? I I said this going into it. This is going to be one of the times when he appears presidential. Very rarely did he go off script, made one little comment speaking specifically about when the women started chanting and applauding. Hey, you guys weren't supposed to do that. Nancy Pelosi took offense at that, but that's a different thing. And then Nancy Pelosi sitting up there with her hand. I don't know if you saw this every once in a while. Everybody was saying that they were going to look to Nancy Pelosi for their cue as to when they should stand and applaud and not. Listen. Democrats um, were standing and applauding some of the lines I didn't expect them to. Not everyone, but there would be a handful of them that would get up and support specific policies that the president was talking about. There were a few times when they were vocal in their opposition and would boo or catcall or something, and Nancy from the back would raise her hand like a schoolmarm, shushing them. Um, let's keep it quiet. 
Well, that's her role. That's her lane. Oh. I mean, the, the whole uh, clapping towards the president. It was that was an very, odd. I don't even remember which pa- line that was. Very patronizing. It was when he said something to the effect of, uh, oh, here it is. We must reject the politics of revenge, resistance, and retribution. Mm. Embrace the boundless potential of cooperation, compromise, and the common good. Together she, we can blah, blah, yeah. blah, and blah. And she blah. leans forward and claps right in his ear. Yeah. Odd. Just an odd. And it's, then, it's a big hit with well, Democrats. One of the ceremonial things that the president does and has done for some time is he'll uh, turn around and deliver uh, a copy of the speech, signed copy of the speech, to the vice president and to the speaker of the house right before he starts speaking. And he did that. She rips that thing open and looks like she's looking at a cheesecake factory menu because it's, a, you know, <laughs> printed on giant pages. And she won't stop reading it which was weird i don't understand why she felt she had to follow along on this thing because, because then she didn't have to give the president her attention well, she could and, just read it along and then you know there'd be an applause line everybody in the room stands up like this right yeah. and she stands up behind him and then she goes to look at the speech like what page is he on yeah everybody else in the room sits down she's still standing up behind him i don't see what where did you leave off? Hey, I can't find that line. Hey, go out and get yourself somebody who looks at the president like Mike Pence does. <laughs> because that That's is my goal in yeah, life. That uh. is some love right there. All right. We'll get into Virginia, the latest blackface out of Virginia, and your chance at $1,000 coming up next. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. Bottom of the hour, we're going to get into uh, what you watch on Wednesday. Talk about what's going on on TV. Oh, including Gwyneth Paltrow got a goop deal for Netflix. I bet you can't wait to see that. Uh, I can definitely wait to see that. Oh. We got $1,000 we're going to give away. How about this? Yep. Win $1,000 right now. Text the nationwide keyword TALK. To 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's TALK to 200-200. And remember, they are going to give you a call if you win. It's going to be a number you don't recognize, but if you don't pick it up, they will move on. Your next chance to win $1,000 coming up next hour, about 20 after the hour. A chance to win $1,000 every hour here on KFI, 5 a.m. to 620. It was kind of cool yesterday watching the uh, snow in the in the mountains there. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm in Pasadena and I look up and I you can see the snow coming down at the top there. It's very cool. I mean, it's the view today is spectacular yeah. because mostly blue skies and you know the mountains that are around here. What I love about LA is uh, I remember the first time I came to interview for a job here at KFI was in a, was in February of 2004 and it was one of those spectacularly clear days. Right after it had rained, so the air is just absolutely beautiful. The yeah. sky is perfectly blue. And you don't think about, I mean, for people who came here from other places, you don't think about how many mountains there are no, immediately I, around L.A. I had the exact same experience. I remember sitting in Chris Little's office, and uh, I remember landing at Burbank and going, I don't remember those mountains being here because I hadn't been to L.A. since I was a kid right. in the 80s, and the smog was so bad, and you didn't see the mountains all the time, right? The only mountain I knew in L.A. was the Matterhorn. Yeah, exactly. Me too. And so I remember Chris Little saying, 
why wouldn't you want to come here? You've got the beach, you've got the mountains, and he's like pointing to the mountains. And I remember thinking, huh, I didn't know that was there. How did you do that? <clears throat> well, uh, we've been talking about this uh, this fiasco that's going on in the uh, capital of Virginia, in Richmond. We know, of course, that Governor Ralph Northam got caught up in an old medical school yearbook that he was in that showed him either in blackface or in a KKK hood, which he apologized for, then said it wasn't him in blackface or in the KKK hood. But he did acknowledge that he wore blackface one time while dressed up as Michael Jackson in a dance contest. And he was able to learn the moonwalk, and he ended up winning the dance contest. Like, which, that makes the story is, better. Right, which is important. Oh, and by the way, I did win. I kept the certificate and the little ribbon they gave me. Well, I got the alert on my phone driving to work today. We've got another elected official in Virginia, Mark Herring, the attorney general, who says, me too. I also wore blackface in the 80s. Now, it's important because the attorney general in the state of Virginia is the third in line for the governorship if something were to happen like, oh, I don't know, resignation. And... The lieutenant governor is in trouble as well because Justin Fairfax is facing questions after a report surfaced about an alleged sexual misconduct incident slash sexual assault from 2004, just outside the uh, Democratic National Convention that year. She has okayed, by the way, publications using her name. She has removed the anonymous tag. Really? Yeah, and she's I believe she teaches at a college. Now, if this is the key about Mark Herring. This is the uh, Virginia Attorney General. He is um, apologizing for attending a party back in 1980 dressed as Curtis Blow and not wearing black makeup on his face, but wearing brown makeup. And he was uh, very excited about pointing out that difference for some reason. Curtis Blow, like the first rapper. T-Bone. Curtis Blow, the Christmas rapping... I read today was the first rap song to be released on a major record album, uh, record label in 1979, which is crazy. Anyway, so he writes, in 1980, when I was a 19-year-old undergraduate in college, some friends suggested we attend a party dressed like rappers we listened to at the time, like Curtis Blow, and perform a song. Oh, that must, that must have been a great performance, huh? It sounds ridiculous even now writing it, but because of our ignorance and glib attitudes and because we did not have an appreciation for the experiences and perspectives of, of others, we dressed up and put on wigs and brown makeup. It goes on to say forgiveness in instances like these is a complicated process, one that necessarily cannot, should not be decided by anyone, but those directly affected by the transgressor. So, uh, who else? Who else in in the Virginia State House is going to come out and say that they dressed in blackface? Because apparently this was a thing in Virginia in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, well, and there's a lot of white guys over there, huh? There are a hundred seats in the Virginia State uh, House of Delegates. Um, so, what would you put the number at? You had an even one hundred delegates in the State House in Virginia. Forty. Uh, yeah. Because I didn't know how prevalent this was. But when you look at that yearbook, the, the governor's yearbook from medical school, there's at least four pages with guy, multiple guys dressed in blackface or wearing blackface. Right. And this is a, I, I mean, <laughs> the hell? go back to this question about what, you know, I don't know much about the political history of Mark Herring. I don't know. I don't know where he comes down on issues. I don't even know if, if he's uh, Republican or Democrat. 
But the, the politics of it, you know, whatever party affiliation they have doesn't matter in this case. It matters what they've done, you know. His decision, he even points out, he was a 19-year-old undergraduate in college. If you and I and anybody listening was held to what they did when they were 19 years old, and I'm not even talking about blatantly racist things like wearing blackface to a party and performing a rap, uh, you know, dressed in costume like this. If, if you did the it, stupid decisions that we made in our past. Does it matter that they did not know it was racist at the time? Well, I don't know. How, I don't know how you would not know. I, I don't know. I'm trying to. I, uh, I don't was, know what it was, was like in 1980 in Virginia. Right. I was seven at the time. So I feel I like I would have known by the time I was 19 that you don't do that. That that there would be something in my gut that tells me that's not right. Um, by the way, the chairman of the Virginia Legislative Black Caucus was asked about this. Uh, this cascading, the cascading scandals, mm-hmm. and he said, "I imagine we're not praying enough." That was his answer. Yes. I mean, it's not going to hurt, but I don't know. Uh, now, if for some reason, again, I mentioned Article Five, Section Sixteen of the Virginia State Constitution, it explains the line of succession to the governorship. Lieutenant Governor obviously is next, then Attorney General. Then the Speaker of the House of Delegates, who happens to be uh, Republican Kirk Cox. Do they all resign, all the top three guys? Are they out? They they could be. Uh, but then you're going to have to have the House of Delegates evect, uh, elect more people to take in the positions that they've vacated. Uh, in the event of an emergency or an enemy attack on the upon the soil of Virginia... That, well, I did, I've never seen that language, in, and it goes on to talk about what yeah. the House of Delegates has to do in the event that something like it's that happens. It's much like Rule 17 that Roger Goodell failed to enforce. That's exactly what I was not thinking. Uh, all right, coming up next, what you watching Wednesday. Gwyneth Paltrow gets original content on Netflix. Oscars have no host. And The Bachelorette, or The Bachelor. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip. Uh, <laughs> takes a weird turn. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. I always leave it to the last minute. What are you going to do? Some of us are not organized people, like your wife. But I did have that thought driving here today. I wish I had Gary's wife to get all my tax stuff ready. Today is the appointment? Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, hi. Is. Uh, hey, how do you spell? Uh. Day. <laughs> yeah, okay, last minute, I get it. All right, well, looming over the president's State of the Union address is that deadline coming up in nine days to fund the government and avoid another partial government shutdown. Democrats are not budging on the demand for money for a wall, and Republicans are, are not wanting to shut down the government again to have him fulfill this uh, campaign promise. Surprised I didn't hear more about that last night. I was. Um, I know that uh, Stacey Abrams mentioned it in her response. By the way, uh, I didn't. 
I watched the State of the Union. I listened to the response, and I think it's a weird of a phenomenon to to get different um, uh, perspectives on those things. So it just it was a dumb experiment on my part. So that's all. I'm just Time for what you're watching. The following program is brought to you in living color. What you watching in there? Americans love television. They wean their kids on it. USA television much better. You've been watching too many of those live television shows. What did she say? She says we should get a discount for being hyper-organized. You should. So you watched a little bit of The Bachelor, huh? Uh, yeah, so they were in Thailand this week, and everyone's slobbering over Colton. And I, I'm just amazed at, still to this day, I mean, what season is this? 17, 23. 25, 23. Yeah. So there have been 23 iterations of this where groups of people either... I, I do believe that some of them are there just for exposure. You know, they're wannabe actresses or actors. They're, you know, they're starting their own personal training businessman, and, and they want to get exposure. So, so they're going to be on TV knowing that they're just going to be recognized. There are some people, though, who honestly buy into this line of BS that they're going to fall in love with a, 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 a guy who has cotton in his brain – These dates are terrible. I mean, there are two people who are very pretty aesthetically to look at, and they've got nothing to say. I mean, don't you feel like the most interesting man in the world when you watch these shows? Because I feel pretty interesting. Nobody's got anything to say, (laughs) ever. Have you seen Saturday Night Live's send-up of this, of The Bachelor? No. You know, it's The Bachelor sitting on a park bench, and then the different bachelorettes come through played by all the women in the cast of Saturday Night Live and they sit down and they go I'm Becky and I'm 20 knots and I have nothing to say but brains are fun yeah and then excuse me can I bust in and it, it, it was it was really bad last night. He goes out, or the other night, he goes out on a one-on-one with this girl, and her claim to fame is that she's never been kissed. She's from Carlsbad. I think she's 23. And she talked last night about how she went out with a guy for eight months, but she just wasn't feeling it. And Colton's like, eight what, months. eight months, and he doesn't try to kiss you? And she says, well, I think that he knew it wasn't working. And anyway, they're they're sitting out, I think, at like Fong Na Bay or something like that, and they're, they're just looking out at this beautiful name landscape. Drop, name dropper and uh and and he says this is just so amazing and she says it's amazing and he says it's just it's so cool being here and then she says so cool being here like she was repeating every stupid ass filler thing he was saying the the part i saw was when he picked when one of the girls was with him on a little boat and they went out to this which turned a, a sandbar but they called it their oh, own yeah. little island. Oh, yeah. There was not. It was a sandbar. There was nothing on this. It was, it was a sandbar yeah. that was maybe 20 yards yeah. across. And maybe. they made and, out for 22 minutes. Uh, all, they did, all they did on The Bachelor was show Colton and Cassie making out for 22 minutes. Because you know what? It was pretty hot. Again, two good-looking people making out in the, in the beach, in the water, on an island, on a sandbar. I just they didn't speak. They the, just kissed for 22 minutes. He he mentioned something like right when they got off the boat he said something like I can't believe we're alone now. And I look at my wife and I went, wait a minute. Not There's alone. at least 
two camera guys right. and probably a couple of sound guys and maybe even Producers. a producer walking around who's shouting right. questions at them right. or, hey, you guys, why don't you lay on the sand for a minute? So one of the old broads, the cougars, they call them in the house because they're 30. Um, Ew. So you mean this, washed up. So this one is uh, 31 years old, and she decides that she cannot date somebody who's dating other people at the same time. Apparently the concept now? of The Bachelor <laughs> now. Was, was lost on her. And she decides she can't do it anymore. So a, a producer gets to her, I think, and says, threaten to leave, threaten to leave and then see, you know, what kind of response you get. So she threatens Colton. She goes, I think I've got to leave. I can't do this. And he's kind of like, OK, bye. See ya. And I... then and then it was odd because he kind of played it off like like he wasn't enough or something for her to go through the process. And 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 that's my biggest fear is I'm going to get to the end of this and, and it's not going to be. I'm not going to be enough. It's like, oh, please. I do think it's funny that they get whatever episode we are now, seven or eight into this season, they get that deep into it and they make this realization. Wait a minute. I'm friends with the people in this house, but they're all kissing my boyfriend. Right. Are you a... You are an idiot. I, I I remember watching this show when I was younger, when I was single, and I was in another life. I remember in my early twenties watching this show and thinking, "Would you ever want to go on this show, self?" And and thinking back to myself, "No," because I could never do that. I right. could never date somebody who was dating right. other people. Right, which is why in normal life, outside of reality television. You you ask somebody if you go out on a date and you think there's a little spark there and some you know they spark joy and you go hey just you know as a you know a second or third date whatever it is are, are we exclusive right. like are you seeing anybody else because I feel like there's something here I just want to know because right. if you are then I know that this is not a thing you yeah. know like I'm not I'm not going to invest too much time because you got attention other places right but why do they, why do they just they suspend whatever shred of intelligence they have. They suspend that to go on TV, and then for the rest of their lives, they're known as Carol from Bachelor Season Carol 7. Carol K. Right. And oh. Hannah G. It's like first grade classroom, right? You mentioned the girl who had never been kissed. Mm-hmm. They did change her title now to had been kissed oh. or has been kissed or something. Like Hit that. me in the face. <laughs> so anyway, and he still, you know, the big teaser going into the season was at some point, he freaks out and jumps over the fence. Yeah. Still hasn't happened it's yet. It's impressive, too. That leap is impressive. <laughs> nice And those vertical. tight jeans? How does he do it? He's, his thighs are, are weird, aren't they? They're like too close I together or something. I am going to tell you something right now that may blow your mind. <laughs> I have not noticed his thighs. But Cassie's are on point. Am I right? All right. Coming up next. Uh, uh, Gwyneth, Oscars news. we got to get into and, that. And Gwyneth Paltrow. Ugh. Gary and Shannon. <laughs> KFI M640. Gary and Shannon, the uh, the White House has announced that the president's going to make another statement today. Obviously, his first since the State of the Union address last night. 
There's some speculation that it may involve more on the upcoming meeting that he had announced last night with Kim Jong-un of North Korea. And how about that uh, that statement that if he was not elected, he believes that we would have been at war with North Korea? Hmm. I don't know about that. Or either, but, I mean, I get it's his brain. He said, I believe. So, I don't know. We're talking about uh, what you watch on Wednesday, some of the stuff that's been going on on TV. We talked about The Bachelor. For the first time since, I think it's 1989, the Oscars will officially have no host. Kevin Hart was the name that surfaced to host the Oscars, and then they were demanding that he apologize for some uh, anti-gay tweets from a decade ago that he had already apologized for. And he said, no, this is ridiculous. I've already apologized for this. And there was some talk that maybe he would come back, and he absolutely will not. Yeah, he said that, if you remember the uh, the interview he did with Ellen DeGeneres, who vehemently defended him and said that she even got on the phone to the Academy demanding that he be invited back. And uh, and he he said he would think about it, and the academy never I, I don't think ever actually extended an invitation for him to come back. But he has since said, no, I, I'm not going to do it. So they did announce a, an array of Oscar presenters who will be on hand. But it I don't even know why they put out the list. It's just a bunch of people who would have been there anyway. They would have been presenters anyway. So how does it open? How does the show open? Is it a Just montage? A, a montage of all of, good films of, good of the films. last, okay. you know, of the last and year. And then somebody and, walks out and the first award is presented? Yes. Okay. Here to present uh, Best Supporting Actor is last year's That's Best Supporting Actor winner. That's kind of weak stream, isn't it? I mean, are you still available? I'm still available. I am. I, I don't have anything on the... Think I, yeah, I don't have anything on the schedule for that day. February 24th? I mean, we could just go out there and do a quick little open. And, hey, 2018, that was a year, right? But we would not do it in blackface. I was I mean, just, just going to say, that we can cool. absolutely not make a joke by walking out there. Somebody did point out, speaking of the blackface issue, somebody did point out uh, the movies. I mean, just even in the last 30 years, the movies that were done where the characters are in blackface, like Soul Man. Yeah. Um, and then the reverse Tropic of that. Thunder. Tropic Thunder was another one that was sort of making fun of the blackface thing. But even now, they're, anyway. Yeah. Uh, Soul, uh, White Chicks. You remember White Chicks? Yep. Where they went from the, the Wayans brothers, painted their faces white to become sorority girls and wore contacts. Even Eddie Murphy had that uh, Saturday Night Live skit called White Like Me. Way back then. I have a terrible story coming out of Harvard Medical School and Massachusetts General. It's a study led by Dr. Long Wynn. It analyzed TV viewing times and other sedentary behaviors. And it found that sitting in front of the TV for as little as one hour a day can increase your risk of bowel cancer. Ouch. Those who lays in front of the TV for two hours a day or more had nearly a 70% increased risk. Now, how is sitting in front of the TV different from sitting on this show for four hours or sitting in a cubicle? or si- Yeah, let's stand up from now on. Stand, <laughs> okay. stand up. Monica, let's all stand up while we yeah. do the show from okay. now on. Let's protect the hineys here. Does this mic go? Okay. It goes higher. Well, it doesn't need to go too high. You're not that tall. Thanks, Gary. Sorry. Wow. I ran into Monica yesterday as she was leaving the. <laughs> no! I, I can't say it. <laughs> Come on, say it. Okay, say it. 
So all I hear as she comes around the corner was, and then they all used to call me Stumpy because I was really short. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked, that's all I heard of the conversation. It was in middle school. Kids are cruel. Kids are terrible. <laughs> it was like a sitcom. Like I had just walked in on the most awkward part of the conversation. Yeah. So that was very fun. Um, the I other apologize thing, on behalf of the children. Hey, uh, Netflix oh, yeah. also has decided that it's going to partner with Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop. They uh, they said that they're going to have this untitled streaming series that will hit Netflix this fall. Thirty minute episodes hosted by the site editors. Uh, content chief content officer Elise Lonen and Gwyneth Paltrow. Why are more people buying into this ridiculous wellness website? I mean, I get it that that if you want to extrapolate money that the West Side moms are not using, uh, get them to buy into jade eggs in their uh, hoo ha's. Uh-huh. That's great, right. but why do we need to take it mainstream no and idea. hurt other people's? sensibilities with this the quote from uh chief content officer elise lonan is gwyneth is a highly visual tactile person if i hear the quality of everything that we produce is very important can we not her. describe people as tactile she uh, she's always looking for white space white space i don't know whether it's developing physical products or thinking of content with this show I think she's only really interested in opportunities where we can uniquely be ourselves and do things potentially disruptive. 30 minutes of vocal burn on... Ow! Oh, I'm sorry. Good Lord. When we come back... Um, the this great, is why we don't move these uh, things. I know. <laughs> Somebody needs to get some WD-40 up in this. Um, the Black Widow, Stacey Castor and her shocking crimes. We'll get into a couple of segments of this when we come back. Gary and Shannon, coming up at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk about the Instagram-friendly evangelical church. You know, the Chris Pratt's of the world, the Justin Bieber's, making church uh, cool and hip and (laughs) Instagram-friendly. Okay. Uh, At noon today, we expect uh, President Trump to deliver some remarks about defeating ISIS. We got an update that there will be some remarks he's going to deliver at the uh, State Department about noon our time. He just held a uh, quick news conference there at the White House to announce his pick for uh, head of the World Bank. The chairman of the Virginia Legislative Black Caucus says its members need time to process the revelation that yet another top state Democrat admits to putting on blackface years ago. The attorney general there, Mark Herring, the latest, saying he went to a party in 1980. And he wanted to look like a rapper, Curtis Blow, to be exact. I guess if you're going to pick a rap, well, I guess there weren't that there weren't a whole lot of rappers around in 1980. No, which is why it's a curious, a curious story. Yeah. What are the chances that the attorney general was listening to Curtis Blow in 1980 in Virginia? Well, he's 19. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I think I feel sometimes like. These uh, Michael Jackson slash Curtis Blow stories are trying to make light of the blackface by trying to pretend that you admired someone, and that's why you yeah. tried to emulate them. Right. But I was doing my best to pay tribute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stacy Castor, 
Stacy Castor was nicknamed the Black Widow after a couple of her husbands ended up dead. And it starts out, curiously enough, uh, the story of how Stacy met her first husband, Michael, and how they were deeply in love. In 1990, Stacy and Michael got married, and she said that he was larger than life. Everyone who knew Stacy said that she deeply loved her first husband, Michael Wallace. They had two daughters together, Ashley and Bree. And their relationship may not have been as perfect as they wanted it to seem. ABC News has done a deep dive on Stacy Castor, the Black Widow, and uh, the murder of her two husbands. It's a pretty, it looks like a pretty great documentary here. And David Muir from ABC News, our friend, friend of the show. Friend of the show. He did exclusive interviews and found out that it looks like Michael struggled with drugs and alcohol, the first husband, struggled with drugs and alcohol for a long time in his life. Yeah, they they also worked opposite shifts. She was working during the day as a dispatcher for uh, paramedics. Uh, he was working during the night as a mechanic. So there was it was not an ideal situation, perhaps. So nine years after they get married, it looks like Stacy Castor was contemplating divorce. She was telling friends that she was contemplating divorce. And then Mike gets sick around the same time. This is in late 1999 he goes to the doctor and the doctor checks him out and says well maybe you have an inner ear disorder you know those can make you feel like you've got vertigo sometimes Mm -hmm. weeks later he's found unresponsive on the sofa in the family's home and is pronounced dead that day at the hospital okay so here's a guy uh who is relatively healthy they believe 38 years old 38 years old and he ends up dead on the couch. Now, that to me would be a perfect opportunity for the coroner to go, hey, you know what? Let's just check and see because he's 38, relatively good health. Even if this recent sickness is what got him, let's determine what it was. But they don't do that. They never did an autopsy. Doctors told Stacy they thought it was a heart attack. Anyway, she collects $55,000 in life insurance policy. And then she meets a new guy three years later. Yeah, she meets David Castor. Oh, I'm sorry. I, one year later, she meets him. She meets. Uh, she marries David three years later is right. what it was. So she meets her second husband uh, through a boss. Uh, they're married in August of 2003, and that's when Stacy takes the second husband's name, hence Stacy Castor. David is conscientious. He's work-driven. He's into the outdoors. He... Uh, was into snowmobiles, four-wheelers, the boat, the whole bit, right? And she had said at the time, David was support and strength and security to me. Each had children from a previous marriage. He had a grown son, and she had, of course, the girls, Ashley and Bree. Apparently, they weren't happy, by the way, about mom's second marriage. They didn't want their father replaced. Understandable, probably pretty common about a second marriage. Um David was difficult with the kids, said Stacy. He expected them to do everything that he said without question, and being my children, they questioned everything, she said, sort of tongue-in-cheek. Well, it, it only took a couple years for David to die. Yeah, 
And she made a frantic call to 911 that day, saying her husband hadn't shown up for work. She claimed she last spoke to him the day before. And there was something found on the bedside table next to where he was found that should have raised eyebrows, and boy, did it. Looks like they were finally on to Stacy when they found this. Her explanation was, well, we got into an argument. He got upset. He takes a bottle of Southern Comfort. He goes into the bedroom, locks himself in, and then just gets drunk and won't come out. And when she said, uh, she said she knew that he probably passed out because she put her ear to the door and she could hear him sleeping. I don't know about you. I usually don't make that much noise when I'm sleeping. Maybe she meant snoring. Well, police are able to knock down the bedroom door and they'll find what was left on that bedside table. And then they'll start looking at Stacy. We'll tell you what they found when we come back. Also, a thousand bucks we're going to give away. We'll tell you how you can win it. Shannon, on this Wednesday, it's February 6th. Time for an update. Uh, time for a thousand bucks. How's that? Here's how you can win it. Win a thousand dollars right now. Text the nationwide keyword bank to 200 200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's bank to 200 200. If you win, they'll give you a call, but you got to answer that phone to pick up a thousand bucks. Another chance an hour from now, all the way through our show, the John and Ken show, and the first hour of the Conway show, we're giving away 1000 bucks here on KFI. So we're talking about Stacy Castor, known as the Black Widow, the woman who murdered her two husbands, attempted to kill her daughter, frame her for their murders. This is all going to be in a new ABC documentary. We now know that uh, the first husband died of what they believed was a heart attack. They never really did an autopsy. The second husband has died. And when the Onondaga Sheriff's Department shows up to the house, they find not only the Southern Comfort that this guy was supposedly drinking, but they found a second glass on the nightstand next to the bed. And that glass had green liquid inside. It was antifreeze. Now, police searched the kitchen. They they found a turkey baster, apparently smelling of alcohol that had been disposed in the trash can. So immediately they think, well, maybe there's more to this than an accidental overdose or an, a suicide. Stacy says, well, he'd been depressed. He recently lost his father. Um, you know, he was drinking. And uh, I really think the suicide is a result of him being depressed about his father's death. So the cops go talk to other people who knew David, knew the husband, and they say, you know, was was this guy the kind of guy who would kill himself over his father's death? And they talked to his ex-wife, a woman named Janice, and she said, absolutely not. So the detective on the case remains skeptical over Stacy and starts an investigation. It would go on to last two years. I thought it was funny that she apparently claimed that her second husband also had health problems, a myriad of health problems. And then when they look through his medical records, they realize the only real serious medical problem he'd had in recent years was a hernia. 
Investigators decided to exhume the body of the first husband and check out his organs, see if they had those telltale crystals that would be associated with antifreeze, because now they're thinking that she used antifreeze to kill both of them. The weird thing, too, is with the second husband, he left everything to Stacy and her two daughters and nothing to his adult son, which also raised eyebrows, right? So they set up a camera at the grave site of the first husband. They also set up a camera at Stacy's home, and they wiretapped her phone, said it was one of those phone calls where they learned that she had been to the cemetery soon after the first husband's body was exhumed. So they bring her in for some questioning. And one of the noticeably suspicious answers to the questions was, I can only imagine when the detective immediately thought, I gotcha. The detective says, I asked Stacy, do you remember which glass it was that you poured the cranberry juice in? Simple question, right? And her response was, well, when I poured the antifreeze, I mean, I mean the cranberry juice. So immediately the detective goes, ah, nailed you. How do you make that mistake? I have no idea. Now, here's the other part about it. She didn't get, I guess, according to this detective, she didn't get the Z out of antifreeze. She stopped at antifree. In a upcoming chapter to this story, she spells antifree, antifree. I mean, she doesn't put the Z-E on the end of it. Common mistake, I suppose, depending on it. So yeah, this is around the same time of this questioning, her daughter, Ashley, uh, is in college. And and uh, it, when, when, the, when, the, when the husband is murdered, and it, there, there's, there's a side story that, that the mother tried to poison the daughter with antifreeze as well. Right. She had that they that they were going to have cocktails together. Mom offered to get daughter drunk for her twenty first birthday, which makes zero sense, but that's fine. Ashley says she uh, she drank cocktails with mom that mom prepared for her, and they found um, Ashley remembered that the drink didn't taste good, so mom got her a straw and said, "Just put the straw in the back of your throat so you don't taste it, but drink it anyway." That's listen. Even if my mom says that, I'll be like, thanks. I I appreciate that, Ma. But no. She said she was very tired. She drank it. She went and laid down. The next morning, Ashley's sister finds her sister barely breathing, and she tells Mom. Mom calls 911. She had uh, apparently consumed alcohol is what they told the dispatcher, maybe had some medication as well. The sister found a 750-word typewritten letter that appeared to be written by Ashley. Her typed signature. And in that 750-word letter, Ashley, the daughter, allegedly confessed to killing the, her father and her stepfather so mom, and said she was now going to take her own life. So mom's framing the daughter for the husband she killed yes. and then killing the daughter in, in the same swift action. Now, one of the things that they now, figured— see, that, That's what I don't understand. Uh, I mean, I don't understand women that kill their wives, obviously, and vice versa. But you can kind of see, uh, if you were a murdering type, how yeah. you would a relationship may drive you to to murder. But when you're killing your kids, yeah, that's, to cover that's your next, own crime, what the hell? Uh, they figured out that this letter was written 
while Ashley was in school. So she could not have typed this letter. It had to be Stacy that was doing it. And I mentioned the anti-free when she said that in the interview. She used the term anti-free. There were four times in that typewritten letter where the term anti-free was used. Not anti-freeze. Anti-free. They... She explained it away, Stacy did, as just a coincidence. She had no idea why, in fact. The only reason she stopped from saying antifreeze in the interview was that she was trying to say cranberry juice, which <laughs> makes zero sense. Stacy Castor went on to trial, was sentenced to over 51 years in prison. She has maintained her innocence from go. I did not kill Michael Wallace. I did not t- kill David Castor. I did not try to kill my daughter, and I will never say that I did ever And the sad thing is Ashley said of her mother when David Muir was talking to her, she was my best friend, too. She was. Mm -hmm. I would have done anything for her, but she decided she wanted to kill me instead. Oddly, (laughs) Stacey Castor died in prison, 48 years old. They say of natural causes. Can you get antifreeze in prison? I was just wondering if you could barter for that, you know, trade some smokes for some antifreeze. Who knows? Uh, We'll talk about church. We're going to come back and do a quick church service. An Instagram-friendly, celebrity-full church service. Blessings. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, day after the State of the Union address, the president is expected to make an announcement today. About 30 minutes from now, he's going to be at the State Department and is expected to uh, mention some, make some comments about the ongoing fight against ISIS. So we'll talk about that, listen in when he, uh, when he makes those comments. Also, the continued turmoil in Richmond, Virginia. The governor, of course, caught up in a blackface scandal. The lieutenant governor, now accused of a sexual assault from 15 years ago, and the attorney general, who would be the next in line of succession after the lieutenant governor to the governor's spot, even the attorney general says he was in blackface when he was 19 years old and a grad school student. Okay. Christianity. Christianity in 2019 is not the Christianity of your youth, possibly. This form of Christianity involves fashion, music, celebrities, it's accessible. It's cool. It's interesting. They don't use the word religion a lot. They they center it on relationship, like your relationship with God. Chris Pratt has been in the news lately because he's engaged to Catherine Schwarzenegger. They've only been dating seven months or something like that, and uh, and they got engaged. engaged yeah. The, part of that is because they're not sleeping together, so there's a little bit more of a race to uh, the altar there. The heat is on? The heat is on. Um, Chris Pratt has quite the story of how he got into Christianity. He was living in Hawaii. He was waiting tables, smoking weed, drinking, banging around, working maybe 15 to 20 hours per week. And he's in a grocery store store parking lot, and a guy comes up to him and says, what are you doing tonight? He was an evangelist. With Jews for Jesus, people who had converted to Christianity who were Jews. 
and he asked Chris Pratt if he was planning on fornicating that night or doing drugs or drinking. And Chris Pratt says, hopefully all three. (laughs) And the guy says to him, well, I stopped because Jesus told me to stop to talk to you. He said to tell you you're destined for great things. So Chris Pratt decides to ditch his friends that night and becomes a Christian two days later. Now he is very vocal about his faith. He is uh, very excited that Catherine Schwarzenegger is as vocal about her faith. That's one of the things that drew them together. And he regularly attends a church called Zoe in L.A. Zoe, like Beyonce. That's how the pastor describes the pronunciation. <laughs> right. The pastors, by the way, are like superstars. They're, the, they're, they're influencers. That's the problem. They have hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram. Social media feeds heavy on posed selfies, promotional posts. That, that, that I think, is the issue of this star-studded, Instagram-friendly uh, evangelical church that we've seen. But let me ask you this. Pastors are often people that have a huge following and they're superstars and they're charismatic. Right. So why not would why would they not have social media pages in 2019? Well, I wouldn't say that they can't have social media pages, but I think that that is the potent that that avenue, especially in 2019, is the potential downfall of a pastor getting wrapped up in social media acceptance as opposed to what it is that they're supposed to be doing for their parishioners. But that's how they spread the message. Mm. And they're using celebrities. That's how how they make the message appealing to people, perhaps. There uh, is a growing trend of celebrities getting into God. Uh, Of course, Justin Bieber, Kendall Jenner, Selena Gomez, Haley Baldwin, Kevin Durant, very vocal about their faith. Zoe, uh, Hillsong is the other big one. Mm -hmm. Church, church home. Church home. Yep. Uh, and a bunch of these places are places that would be, that would definitely not look like your, the church of your youth. You're not going to see the stained glass. You're not going to see, you know, the old wooden pews. You're not going to smell grandma's coffee breath. Like all of that stuff is very different than what it was. You know what else you're not going to have? Politics. They don't preach politics anymore. Um, like, the evangelicals of your youth. I don't think I've ever heard. I don't think I've ever heard politics in church. At least well, not on a Sunday about morning. It. They're crafty about it. Weaving it in. Some of them. <laughs> Some of them. Um, Justin Bieber. You mentioned Justin Bieber. He's been a guy who has gone back and forth in terms of his original sort of uh, entrance onto the scene, he claimed to be a Christian and then clearly fell away from that. Uh, There were some dark times, shall we say, in Justin's past, but has sort of come back from that. And now with Haley Baldwin is also engaged, right? Or married. Yeah. Engaged. They're engaged. So uh, they are. No, they're married. Are they officially married? She's Haley Baldwin Bieber. Yeah. Uh, well, she changed her social media, but was it is it official? Because yeah. they keep pushing yeah. back their wedding in L.A. I, thought, I don't know. I haven't gotten the invite. Guys, I don't want to spend 20 more seconds yep. on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are now very public about their their faith and the where they go into church. And, in fact, Bieber um, has talked about inviting 
there, Bieber invited a gay fan who was struggling to find a church. Yeah, this didn't go very well. To join him at Hillsong, saying, if you ever want to come to any of these services, any of them would love to have you. But the leaders of the church sing a different song. Uh, in 2015, there was a blog post by the founder and senior pastor of Hillsong uh, that wrote, the question was, do I love gay people? And the statement was this, Hillsong Church welcomes all people, but does not affirm all lifestyles. Put clearly, we do not affirm a gay lifestyle. Make no mistake, despite all the the, the leather and skinny jeans, it's still a very conservative. Leather. They put the fun back in fundamental, right? There you go. Now, listen, you know what? You should work as a marketing. For, 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 for Hillsong yeah. Church? Mm-hmm. Um You've got the outfits. But the the point of it is, Justin Bieber, I think his point was the front doors are always open. Like, you want to come in, everyone is welcome. You may not necessarily like what you hear, but everyone is welcome to come in. They're not going to turn anyone away at the door, I think is what he's saying. So the, you, the idea that they're progressive in terms of their theology is not true. I mean, they're, they're fairly conservative like you're talking about. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the I, I don't I mean the American church is not what it used to be, and I'm curious if this uh, much more high profile attendance by celebrities makes any impact in the next several years. Coming up next, did the DMV screw with the election like the Russians? I knew it. I knew it. The DMV. Can't, well, never mind. Uh, your new governor has an opportunity now to clean up the DMV and has sat on his thumbs. Your new governor. I, you. Your new governor. You're the one. Oh my governor. Gary and Channel will continue. Yeah, it's a bland kind of torture. Shannon, get into uh, all of what's trending at the top of the hour. When we do Swamp Watch at 1230, more on the uh, president's statement. He is expected to make a statement about uh, 10, 15 minutes from now regarding uh, the fight against ISIS. We'll also tell you about uh, some more reaction to the State of the Union address from last night. Told you also the, the woman whose sex assault allegations against the lieutenant governor in Virginia surfaced this week. She's speaking publicly about her encounter. Her name is Vanessa Tyson. She issued a statement today saying that uh, Justin Fairfax forced her to perform oral sex in 2004 during the Democratic National Convention. The lieutenant governor issued a statement saying that this woman expressed no discomfort at the time or in the years afterward. The... California DMV uh, has been a poop show for quite a time, quite a while. State officials are investigating whether any votes were wrongly rejected and whether the final results in any state or local races should be considered, reconsidered, because there is some evidence that there were some voter registration forms not properly filed by the DMV. This is the silliest idiotic paperwork snafu in a most fundamental right when it comes to voting. But the Secretary of State and the agency that oversees the DMV, the State Transportation Agency, agreed to settle this federal lawsuit brought by League of Women Voters, uh, the ACLU, and other advocacy groups. So 
they're saying the Secretary of State is now going to take steps to ensure that every vote is counted if the ballots were rejected and will provide guidance in the future to make sure how uh, the potential count is affected by any missing ballots. Back in December, DMV officials revealed that staff members had not transmitted voter registration files for about 600 people whose applications or updated applications were filled out before the close of registration for the November 6th election. Now, state officials could not confirm whether any of those voters had been turned away on Election Day or if any cast those provisional uh, ballots that were rejected in the final tally. Yeah, but but this settlement that comes in now is raising the possibility that we're going to see a full investigation of these voter registration documents, these delayed ones. And that could be that could reveal that races in which the outcome might have changed if, in fact, these voters weren't allowed to participate on Election Day. You know, when you think about uh, Stacey Abrams and what she was talking about with voter suppression last night, uh, closing polling places, moving polling places, things like that, there's such corruption on that level. But then you don't even think about just the ineptitude of some of these state (laughs) agencies for doing their job. Well, it seems like we are uh, – thankfully, it's few and far between, but still that's too many. But few and far between stories that we will see the day after, a couple days after Election Day, whenever it is, that, oh, uh, this this elections official from from Podunk County, Nebraska, left a box of of ballots in their trunk of their car on election night instead of taking them to where they needed to be. Or, you know, something like that. Every once in a while, just based on the sheer number – of opportunities for screw-ups, there's going to be a screw-up or two in the system. This, though, being done at the DMV level in what was supposed to be a plan to get people to register, an easy way to get people to register to vote, and then they screw that up. This case, um, the the director of the DMV, Gene Shiomoto, has retired <laughs> She retired from state government at the end of 2018. And uh, the governor has yet to appoint a new permanent director. This is one of the big issues I think Gavin Newsom has going forward in the first couple of weeks of, of, of his governor, governor take, governorship. Governor nation, governoration. Governorship. Governorship. Governor's, governor's office. As governor. As governor, Gavin Newsom. <laughs> It's important that he gets into this and uh, appoints somebody who, I don't know, hire John Kelly, hire, hire somebody, hire Jim Mattis, get somebody in there who's not going to, uh, not absolutely not going to stand for this crap. Can we hire Jim Mattis for the office? To do what? I don't want to, I don't want to be condescending Nick, to the check with guy? Robin and see if we can expense hiring Jim Mattis to be our show coach like our life coach but our show coach he can help clean out your office um Uh, or he could just yell at us to clean it up that'd be even better (laughs) hey how about a four pack of tickets to the la travel and adventure show that sounds fun you want to give you want to give away a four pack of tickets to the la travel and adventure show we could do that the 14th annual la travel and adventure show you can learn all about estonian pancakes Two days only, February 16th and 17th at the L.A. Convention Center. How about caller number six? 
wins a four-pack of tickets. I love it. 1-800-520-1KFI. That's 800-520-1534. Yeah, it's time to call. Come on, it's time to call. Let's call. Yeah. You can also... Going to win that four-pack of tickets to the annual L.A. Travel and Adventure Show. You can also enter now at KFIAM640.com to win a trip to Switzerland for two, courtesy of Switzerland Tourism, Swiss International Airlines, and Eurobound. Visit Switzerland and more at the L.A. Travel and Adventure Show, February 16th, 17th, L.A. Convention. Have you ever been to Switzerland? Yeah. Uh, oh, I've been to the airport in Zurich. Oh, my wife lived in Switzerland for a while, so there. You can buy discounted tickets as well to the uh, to the L.A. Travel and Adventure Show. Just visit the website, latravelshow.com. Coming up next, we'll get you caught up on everything everyone's talking about everywhere. Coming up at 1 o'clock, Alex Stone is going to join us all about this measles outbreak outbreak in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Apparently, we now know who patient zero is. President is on his way to the State Department. He's going to make some comments about ISIS. We'll talk more about that at 1230 when we get into a Swamp Watch. Also, uh, the latest in terms of Democrats who are going to or are expected to announce their run for presidency. Amy Klobuchar has a big announcement coming up. Uh, Beto O'Rourke had six people show up to an event here in California. But it uh, seems like most of the eyes are on Virginia today, and that's where we kick off trending. Time for What's Happening. Right now getting the majority of headlines is the lieutenant governor, because he has been accused of sexually assaulting a woman 15 years ago. She has removed the anonymous tag from herself and has come out. Uh, Dr. Vanessa Tyson is her name. Uh, she says that whatever was consensual kissing uh, turned into a sexual assault quickly. As I cried and gagged, she says, Mr. Forfax uh, forced me to perform oral sex on him. It's pretty detailed. It looks pretty bad for the lieutenant governor in Virginia. And that's just the lieutenant governor. The governor, of course, dealing with the issue of the old yearbook photo that showed, we believe, him in either blackface or in that KKK hood, even though he says that neither one of those was him. And then he came out and did the self-admission thing where he said, uh, but there was a time I did I did dress up in blackface for a dance contest as Michael Jackson. Add to all of that, the attorney general now raised his hand and said, I... Two dressed in blackface so that I could perform as Curtis Blow at a party back in 1980. At the University of Virginia. I, 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 I said it earlier, and I, and I got to believe that there's a little bit of truth to the idea that these guys are just picking, picking superstars to say that they admired them so much that they wanted to emulate them. Like, what are the chances that they were just putting on blackface to just... well? So, so then the, the ultimate then perhaps for that scenario would be I did dress up in blackface one time, but it was because I was delivering Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. Right. Like right. that would be the ultimate way of saying I was just honoring like, the guy. Like, like what story fits me dressing up in blackface in 1980? Let's see. Who was big? Oh, there was that Curtis Blow guy, that, the first rapper. I don't know. 
but it doesn't look good. I mean, we're, we're running out of elected officials to run Virginia. Uh, that's very true. Uh, this may explain part of the traffic issue on Highway uh, on the 134 this morning. Glendale police say now that they're looking at a possible murder-suicide. One body found on the 134, the other at a nearby townhouse early today. They got a call about 3.30 this morning about something going on at a townhouse on Northwoods Lane. And the door opened. Officers found the body of a man in his 50s inside a room. They said they weren't quite sure what was said during the dispatch call, but it was clear that a crime had been committed. And then while they were investigating that, about 45 minutes later, police were alerted about another man in his 50s who had jumped from an overpass on 134 near Harvey into westbound traffic. And the CHP showed up and found that body. So they think that these may be connected. You familiar with a porn star named Mercedes Carrera? Are you asking me? Yeah. No. Okay. I am not. Good. Mercedes is in trouble. She and uh, a producer by the name of Jason Whitney were charged with eight counts of abusing a kid, sexually abusing a kid. They were arrested on, uh, on suspicion of committing sexual acts with a girl. They have other victims. They they arrested him and uh, and found a bunch of meth and guns in the house in a, a bedroom setup. It's uh, disgusting. They're talking about how these, these these this couple used to film all of this. I don't know if they filmed the the um, assaults on the girl or the kids, but that they had this all set up in their rooms and ready to go. And then the information from the kid corroborated the girl's statement. She was able to describe the room, I guess, where all of this took place. So. Good Lord. What the hell's wrong with people? I have no idea. Here's more uh, what the hell is wrong with people. The Massachusetts Supreme Court has upheld the involuntary manslaughter conviction of a woman who encouraged her boyfriend's suicide through text messages. We covered this, I think, when yeah. it happened. Yeah. Because we were we were asking the question is it, can you encourage somebody is a text message enough to be considered uh, uh, influencing somebody to commit suicide or is it just that the guy was already in a bad mindset she just wasn't helping the situation? It was a suicide of a kid named Conrad Roy the Third, eighteen years old, and Michelle was on the phone with him as he inhaled carbon monoxide inside his Ford F two fifty. I don't know why the model is important to the story, but there you go. Uh, It happened in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. She was 17 at the time and about a month out of a psychiatric hospital. The court said... Reminds uh, me of uh, Angelina Jolie's character in that movie where it's all the the women and they're in the psychiatric hospital. Girl Girl Interrupted. Girl Interrupted. Yeah. Um, the, The court said that... These were three cases where defendants were held criminally responsible for encouraging someone's suicide like this, that it, that somebody can be charged with involuntary manslaughter for reckless or wanton conduct and that causes a victim to commit suicide, that the law is not unconstitutionally vague when you, when you apply it to the defendant's conduct in this case. Let's cleanse our palates with some new emojis, okay. shall we? The hell is that? What is that? What, what is the finger pinch thing? Oh. Oh. Yes. Mm. What does that mean? Do you get it? Oh, small penis? Oh. That's yeah. silly. I didn't think it was that we'd keep it a little more vague than that. Oh. oh. <laughs> wow. What are you, Andy King now? Small eggplant? It, uh, the early versions of Emoji 12.0. Why are we... Why, 
Small penis jokes, really? Now we've got an emoji for that? I don't know. I, I would. I don't know. It's stupid. Can't we do better than small penis jokes? I can't wait to use it personally. 230 new emojis. <laughs> the standard will be finalized, but Apple, Google, Microsoft, and other platform vendors still have to create artwork and integrate these new uh these new emojis into their platforms. So well, look at this. They're saying they've got the pinching hand, which, of course, comes in six different shades of skin tone, also, not um, just the Simpson yellow, but all of the others. Also, emojis for deaf people in three genders. Which, okay, so Male, female, and genderless. The, and, and, there's, <laughs> the emoji for deaf people is a person with their finger to their ear, like, eh? Can you say it again? Which is not what that's a deaf not, person does. No. Uh, Who came up with that? The other one that's more uh, impressive, I think, is just the ear that you can see the hearing aid behind. There's service dogs that are emojis. There's a blind cane. Oh, people holding hands in all 70 gender and skin color combinations. Wow. <laughs> I think the deaf thing was the sign because you have the two little motions. So when you go like this, when you sign, like you can't. That means deaf. There's two. That just made yeah, it. Like, it didn't make it, it made. any better. You, there's now a flamingo. Is that a yawning emoji face? Oh, there's right a there? sloth in there. There's a sloth. Um, a chimpanzee. Orangutan. Is that an oyster? That is an oyster. Yeah, where? That's a garlic clove. Further to the right. Further to the right. That's an oyster. See the pearl? Ew. Yeah. I suppose you're right. There's a ballet slipper. There's tidy whiteies. Of course, that's important. I want to go home. These new emojis are depressing me supremely. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that... Compared with the, uh, I mean, partnered with the stories that we just presented of... The punching bag emoji that's right there. For suicide. Uh Uh-huh. That's going to be misused. Yeah. What do you think it's going to be used as? I think you're going to put two punching bags and you're going to say something like... Truck nuts? Or two balls away (laughs) from a walk or something like that. I don't know. All right. uh, Have a good show. Yeah. Have fun. Gary and Shannon will continue. We've got a thousand bucks we're going to give away in just a few minutes. Gary and Shannon. You know, you almost wonder if Virginia's governor is is pleased with this news about the lieutenant governor. In comparison, does it look not as bad? I think so when you're when you're talking about an assault. We've got the governor of Virginia in trouble for wearing blackface in the 80s at a dance contest. Um, and the lieutenant governor now is looks to be in deeper trouble because the woman who accused him of sexual assault has come forward. She's no longer anonymous. She's a doctor, and she's got details. Yeah, this um, the woman that has come out and identified herself in a in a public statement is um, Vanessa Tyson. Vanessa Tyson. She's a professor at Scripps College here in California, and she released a statement to the media today by uh, uh, put together with a, a law firm. She said that. Mr. Fairfax, this is the lieutenant governor of of Virginia. Mr. Fairfax has tried to brand me a liar to a national audience in service to his political ambitions and has threatened litigation. 
Given his false assertions, I'm compelled to make clear what happened. I very much wish to resume my life as an academic and professor. I do not want to get further embroiled in this highly charged political environment. This accusation dates back to 2004. And it happened, she says, in a hotel room in Boston. Before we get to the details, you know what we forgot? $1,000? I got that. $1,000. Win $1,000 right now. Text the nationwide keyword CASH to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's CASH to 200-200. You've got to answer the phone if you're going to win that $1,000. And if you don't answer, they'll call somebody who will. But don't worry, there's another chance next hour for 1000 bucks. And in fact, every hour through the first hour of the Conway Show, we're giving away a grand right here on KFI. So this is a three-page statement, and she says that this report and his denial of it has her revisiting all of these painful memories, saying this news flooded me with painful memories, bringing back feelings of grief, shame, and anger. She said she shared a portion of those memories in a private post on Facebook that did not identify him by name. Because she said it wasn't her intention to inject herself in what, into what had become a much larger political battle. So she, in this statement, says that she met Justin Fairfax at the Democratic National Convention in Boston in 2004 and realized that they had a mutual friend. He asks her to accompany him to his hotel room to get some papers. He then began kissing her, she said, and she kissed him back. She goes on to say what began as consensual kissing quickly turned into a sexual assault. She said that Justin Fairfax forced her to perform oral sex on him by grabbing her by the neck of the, by, by the neck as she cried and gagged. And she says in this statement, I cannot believe, given my obvious distress, that Mr. Fairfax thought this forced sexual act was consensual. To be very clear, I did not want to do it. With Mr. Fairfax, and I never gave gave any form of consent. Quite the opposite. I consciously avoided Mr. Fairfax for the remainder of the convention, and I never spoke to him again. Now he says that she stayed in touch with him in the months after the convention, but did not elaborate on those communications. The way he is now responding to this statement is. This has been an emotional couple of days for me and my family. And in my remarks on Monday, I think you could hear how emotional dealing with an allegation that I know is not true has been for me. The difference between these allegations of sexual assault and the allegations of, at the very least, racial insensitivity on the behalf of the governor, Ralph Northam, is that Democrats immediately called for Ralph Northam to resign. There has not been that same cry for resignation for Justin Fairfax. No high-profile Democrats in the state of Virginia, or in Washington for that matter, have called for him to resign over these allegations because many of them have said they just want to wait and hear more facts about this. Are we so, not dealing uh, so, with the same people? So wait, so we're, so we're crucifying somebody for playing for for putting blackface on uh, in 1984, but not somebody who assaulted a woman in 2004. So we so blackface has now risen above the Me Too movement. Is that what I'm getting here? 
I, I'm just trying to keep it straight it's, for what's worse. Sounds like it. Now, to Justin Fairfax's, uh, I won't say defense because that's not what I want to, I don't want to appear that I'm making an excuse for this guy. But one of the things that he said Monday was these allegations have been out there for some time that that the Washington Post had these allegations a year ago and chose not to run with the story because at that point and still to this point, there's no corroborating evidence that this happened or that there was uh, a negative relationship between the two of them because the allegation that Vanessa Tyson is making, all of it occurs in a private room, no one else was there, obviously. So this is the old, the epitome of the he, sh- uh, he said, she said description of what could have been a sexual assault. So that that makes this the odd sort of uh, odd example of what's wrong with believing one side or the other outright without any sort of explanation because you cannot be certain about this. Her account sounds pretty. Uh, uh, I don't think you make that up. I don't up. think you make that I, I up. I Why think, would you? And I don't understand what. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that that the idea that someone would make this up. Could she misremember it? I it's, guess, I mean, but I, I don't what, think I don't. I, to me, that doesn't make sense that you would make that up. Yeah, just you be, wouldn't. It's not. I mean, she's it, got no a, bones against this guy outside of what happened to her. Why would she be concerned now? You would think there's enough shame with it actually having happened to you that you don't wouldn't want to talk about it. I mean, if it didn't happen, it, that doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. I think he should be the first to go, and then the other two should go too. Everyone should <laughs> just, go. Just Clear like out that. the house. Clear out the house. <laughs> I just want to see if anybody else comes forward and says, I, too, wore blackface in 1984. Uh, I do think that that's going to be a thing. I do, too. That 2019 is going to be the year that everybody comes out. I mean, is everybody, like, scrambling to go to their yearbooks right now and find out who they can can play gotcha with uh, because of a blackface picture? I'm trying to think. I think I know where my, my yearbooks are, my high school yearbooks. I wonder if it's worth thumbing through those things, see if I can catch somebody in a... There are people doing that right now. I, you're probably right. Scouring those things. But in the... Okay, so wait a minute. Well, maybe not the right time to ask, but I'll let you, during the break, think... I want... When we come back, I want you to tell me the one thing that you're most ashamed of doing in your teenage and early 20s years. Oh, okay. we do not Gary have Shannon. enough time for that. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> we'll come back and do Swamp Watch instead. Gary and Shannon will continue... You know you can't keep the ground from shaking No matter how hard you try You can't keep the sunsets from fading you Gotta treat your life like you're jumping off a long swing Baby, cause the whole thing's really just a shot in the dark You gotta love like there's no such thing as a broken heart You gotta love like there's no such thing as a broken heart. Did you know that Nick is dyslexic? I did not know that. Producer Nick told me today that today was National Singing Day. Okay. It's not. No. It's National Signing Day. Oh. Nick, I didn't know that was something you dealt with. You know, I don't like to talk about it. I was wondering why you I didn't you realize that. I'm sorry. I should have outed you. Yeah, well, you know. I was wondering why you hadn't regaled us with any tunes. On National Signing Day? Yeah. Because I don't know sign language. Much sign language. Your kids both took sign language. Yes, daughter's still in it. She's got a big project coming up in sign language, which is nice because it's quieter. 
some of the stories that we're following. Of course, the uh, follow-up to this story out of a uh, weird story out of the 134 today. Police in Glendale said that they found a body of a 50-year-old man and then body of another 50-year-old man on the 134 freeway, and they may be connected. They're saying it's possible murder-suicide. Um, we also talked about the State of the Union address, and that's where we're going to start our swamp watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp watch. State of the Union address, one of the longest ones that we've ever seen in the history of the State of the Union. I think still, uh, Bill Clinton still owns the record at an hour and 29 minutes or something like that. So long that that little boy who's been bullied for having his last name be Trump fell asleep. It was kind of a funny picture. What did you expect? I mean, oh, this, yeah, I don't what's know a 10-year-old going to be excited about in the State of the Union address? I don't know. Uh, but at least uh, at least he didn't have a, a nasty face on like just about everybody else in the in the gallery there. Now the the president spoke about unity. He spoke about how he's going to be meeting with Kim Jong Un in Vietnam at the end of the month. He talked about how if he wasn't elected, we were going to see war with North Korea. Nancy Pelosi gave him an odd clap, which has become a meme, and. And Adam Levine still did a fine job at a halftime show. Just just halftime show. I said, okay. Just a quick corrections and retractions moment. Signing day is not about American Sign Language. What? It's when kids declare their the college that they're going to go to. Oh. <laughs> That's a little bit more up your alley, right? Well, I, was, I thought it was called Letter of Intent Day or something like that. Signing day, usually student athletes. I know what the student athlete Letter of Intent Day. Yeah, they sign a letter of intent to go to the school. To uh, signing day is a much more... You know what? It should have just been singing day to begin with. We could petition to get yeah. that changed. Let's start it now. Let's get it trending. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, one of the people dressed in white was yesterday. Was a complete spoiled teenager throughout the whole thing. It looked like she did not want to be there. She did not look like it was her honor to represent her area as a, a 29-year-old in, in the house. Uh, she, she, was, she was really disrespectful, I thought, to, to the post that she's been elected. Right. And then people would say, well, the president's been disrespectful to women in the course of his life. It's not That's about fine. the president, it's, though. It's listen, about the, a greater a greater thing. It's about the office. It's about the where you're seated and how much history goes goes into that building and all the people who came before you and paved the way and the whole bit, like she should have been delighted to be there. Her reaction and the reactions of other people as well, and it, it happens on both sides of the aisle, depending who's on the White House, but the reaction was how outraged she could appear. Because in her world, the more outraged she is, the better human being she is. Like if if you went there and actually... Um, paid homage to the men and women who have served in that wonderful house before you or paid homage to the, even if not the guy who's sitting in the seat, the presidency of the United right. States. Like if you had done this and, and given the respect to, to the, the absolute power, the seat of power that you now hold as a 29-year-old woman, record-breaking, uh, precedent-setting woman, 
then you have the ability to rise above whatever outrage you think gives you value well, because and, that outrage well, you, doesn't give you value. You can appear to be upset with the president, but still understand the gravity of the State of the Union speech or 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 just the gathering of all the people in the room. You know, Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris didn't look pleased with the president, but they look like adults. This little girl looked like a little girl. There was also, if you follow Twitter at all during the State of the Union address, there was a point where I'm not going to lie to you, it got pretty dry. And he started losing some of his energy. I went through Twitter and was just kind of following along some of the comments that people were making. And I was am- Twitter. By the way, Twitter is not the pulse of the nation. It's just what yeah. I went to because I thought it was going to be funny to look at some of the comments. There were more comments on there. Um, I should say about half and half. Half of the comments were, can you believe he just said that? Or look at that guy's tie. Or why is that person texting in the House chamber? And half of the comments were, I will never listen to what this guy has to say. Okay, well, then you just, well, then why, why engage in the conversation? Why are you even saying you won't listen to him, but you're still commenting on the situation? Are you that outraged? And if you're that outraged, again, it does not add value to you as a human being to be the most outraged person in the room, which I think is what uh, AOC was trying to do last night. She was trying to prove She was the most outraged person and therefore better than all of us. All right. Coming up next, we'll get into the responses. Also, uh, president's going to have a rally. Barack Obama's going to have an event in Oakland. Tons of news to tell you about on Gary and Shannon. So we uh, we started getting yearbook pictures. I've got a yearbook picture here from 1980 from El Dorado High School. And it looks like uh, two guys dressed up as KKK guys. What year? 1980. Wow. Uh, let me see if I can... I don't even know where to go. Our high school is not going to be on. Like, our high school yearbook is not going to be online. No. Uh, I guess there's a few images for it. On If you go to Google Images, there's a couple of images. But, again, I I don't think you're going to be able to find anything in here. Because these are all the class, the school pictures, you know, sophomores, etc. Anyway, this is, speaking of uh, something that happened a long time ago, Elizabeth Warren is apologizing again. She uh, apparently filled out, um, when she applied for the bar in the state of Texas, she wrote her race was American Indian. Yeah, you can't do that. And uh, it was about 30 years ago, and basically she said, uh, I'm, I'm sorry for not being more mindful about this decades ago. I am not a tribal citizen, is what she said. That's going to that's gonna bury her. Or it should. Well, it's going to be one of those things that if if a Republican had done it, they would never run for president. She, in the meantime, has started her exploratory committee and can down a beer while she jokes about it. And uh, <laughs> we'll see where she goes from there. I, again, she hasn't officially thrown her hat in the ring, but she does have that exploratory committee. Javier Becerra did a, did a uh, national televised address as well. Did you watch that? Um, I read part of the transcript, obviously the translated version of it, because I'm not as fluent in Spanish as you and Nick happen to be. Right. 
Um, but he basically threatened legal action if the president goes forward with the national emergency in order to pay for and build the uh, the border wall. He gave the, the speech last night at C.K. McClatchy High School up in Sacramento. The idea of declaring a non-existent state of emergency on the border in order to justify robbing funds that belong to the victims of fires, floods, hurricanes, and droughts to pay for the wall is not only immoral, it's illegal, says Javier Becerra. Got two parties to tell you about. Uh, the first is the president's party. President Trump's campaign announced he will hold his first rally of this year in El Paso next week. Of course, it probably picked El Paso for border wall reasons. El Paso sits right on the border, was referenced by the president last night in his State of the Union address as he made his case for the border wall. He said uh, the city of El Paso used to have extremely high rates of violent crime, one of the highest in the country, and considered one of the nation's most dangerous cities. Now with a powerful barrier in place, El Paso is one of our safest cities. Yeah, the timing of that's going to be important as well. That will be four days before the end of this uh, before the government shutdown threatens once again, because the government is only funded through February 15th, and that one's going to take place on the 11th. What was the other party? The other party is former President Barack Obama's party. This is going to be in Oakland. The Obama Foundation announced yesterday that they are going to have their first national convention for the former president's My Brother's Keeper Alliance. This is going to be February 18th to 20th. They want to bring together hundreds of young men of color to talk about reducing youth violence, mentorship programs. Steph Curry is going to be there, John Legend. Seems kind of like, seems fun. Uh, it does. I don't know. If, We're not invited? I don't think so. You don't think I could show up and get in? It says, bring together hundreds of young men of color. I have a color. Um, would we call that color? Yes. I have a tone. You have soul. I'll give you that. Beto O'Rourke has some soul as well. He hasn't, even though we've been speculating for a long time about whether or not Beto O'Rourke will run for president... He has said that he would announce his decision about a 2020 presidential run before the end of the month. Gosh, I don't know where he's going to go. Oh, I do. Where? Oprah. Oh. Did you know she has a program called Oprah's Super Soul Conversations from Times Square? No, I did not. I did not know that And is he really a super soulful guy? I mean, are you suggesting that I have soul because he has soul? That we have soul together? I don't know him. Uh, I can't vouch for his soul. Now, he obviously rose to prominence nationally because he almost beat Ted Cruz down in Texas. And his presidential prospects have been overshadowed by the fact that people like Kamala Harris and Cory Booker and Elizabeth Warren have all announced or at least said that they are likely to announce their run for president coming up. And I mentioned this earlier, Kate Klo- uh, Amy Klobuchar is expected to have a special announcement sometime this weekend in her home state in an attempt to uh, sort of kick this thing off. Because we mentioned when Cory Booker jumped into this, the window's kind of closing. If you're Amy Klobuchar, Kirsten Gillibrand, or John Hickenlooper, anybody like that, your window is closing because these other big-name, nationally recognized players are going to start sucking up all of the donation dollars that you thought you were going to get. So he's got to get into this very quickly if, in fact, he's going to.
Monica, what is the significance of this yearbook photo you just sent me? That was my dance team. Oh, I'm, cool. I'm in that picture. Let me see where. That's the you? only yearbook picture that I have on hand right now. See if you can identify me. Ah, uh, it's hard to tell. Are you going to mm-hmm. post that up to so that everybody can no? play yes. the game? Oh, uh, sure. I'll post it on Twitter. Okay, that's a great idea. <laughs> Are you at the top right? Nope. Bottom left. Well, your smile looks kind of like the same as the girl at the top right. Yeah. And my original hair color is brown. What? Interesting. Mm-hmm. So you and Shannon have something in common. Oh. Wow, Gary. But I thought we were being real with each other. <laughs> what? <laughs> when did that become a thing? All right, coming up next, we'll talk about measles. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Please, Gary. Let me just be on the record. Lie to me. Lie to me every day. <laughs> Measles. Next on Gary and Shannon. Shannon, one of the big stories that we've been following nationally outside of the reaction from the State of the Union address, of course, is this political crisis in Virginia. Now, not only has the governor admitted to wearing blackface in the 80s, the lieutenant governor is fighting back against allegations of a sexual assault from 2004. Now the attorney general, the guy who would be in line of succession for the governor if the other two were to resign, The attorney general admits that he dressed up in blackface to go to a party when he was 19 years old and perform a Curtis Blow song. Everybody in Virginia, apparently, is in some trouble. We have been following the measles outbreak up in Washington state, and we have a new development. Alex Stone joins us now for all the latest. Alex, what's up? Hey, guys, well, they think they know now who patient zero is, and uh, you can blame Ukraine, pretty much, uh, sort of. Uh, they, they've linked it back to a visitor, somebody who traveled to the U.S., and that strain called D8 matches uh, a strain from an ongoing outbreak in Eastern Europe, and there's a large measles outbreak going on in Ukraine right now. There's one in uh, Israel as well, but, but this one matches what's going on uh, in Ukraine, and apparently this visitor came to the U.S., it's unclear. The health department won't tell us if that person is uh, still in the country, but went to places like Ikea in Clark County, Washington, just over the Columbia River from Portland, Oregon, went to a Costco, went to a Portland Trailblazers game, and unvaccinated children uh, were exposed uh, who were around this person, and they now are sick and, and dealing with this outbreak. So this is uh, what they call an imported virus. Doctors say this is how it normally happens with measles because typically it just doesn't spontaneously develop in the U.S. That normally somebody travels in or somebody who's unvaccinated travels to another country and comes back with it. And that's what they've got in this case. Somebody traveling, they believe, over from uh, somewhere else, but uh, probably Europe, and then uh, got others sick. 
Is the expectation that this thing just kind of burns itself out and we stop seeing new cases? Well, they hope so, except uh, there's such a large unvaccinated population in Clark County. Forty-nine of these cases have been in Clark County, and one has been in King County, but that person went to Clark County and then went back up to King County. So uh, we're looking at about a 70, 75 percent vaccination rate in Clark County, which is way below the national average. There are a lot more kids who could become sick, and this has been spread in schools. It's been spread in public venues that they're doing what they can to, to quarantine anybody who does get it. But until they can get to either the, the population that is unvaccinated and get them vaccinated, which takes some time, or quarantine all of those who do have it, and many times you don't know you have it until you've already been spreading it, that, uh, that this may continue to spread. What are the anti-vaccine people saying in, in response to this? Or are they saying anything? Eh, not a whole lot. Yeah, you know, We hear any time that, that there's a movement to get more people vaccinated, that's when they're very vocal and then they come out and demand that it's their right not to get vaccinated. But during this outbreak, they've been pretty quiet. But they continue to say that it's their right to do whatever they want to do for their kids. The problem, though, is that there's a big population of parents that may have a child that, for whatever reason, because of their immune system or that they're under a year old, that they can't vaccinate their children. And they're the ones who they don't have a choice in this, but their kids are susceptible to to possibly getting measles. And those are the parents saying, hey, if you've got a kid who can get vaccinated, get vaccinated because you're putting my kid at risk. I found it interesting that the state uh, Department of Health in Washington put out a list of schools, the top 10 schools when it comes to those that get vaccine exemptions. There is a there's a school in the in the city of Tacoma. It's about 300 students, but well over half of them do not have vaccinations. Well over half. And the concern, I assume, is that if one of those kids gets it, you're going to see a couple hundred kids come down with the measles. Boom, like wildfire, it, it spreads one number that, that a doctor threw out to us today is that you need a population to have about 90 percent vaccination rates to, to actually stop measles from spreading. And in Clark County, that 70, 75 percent or uh, up in Tacoma of 50 percent in some populations, that's just not enough. That There is a magic number of around 90 percent that then you can slow down the spread and try to, to at least prevent it from getting into big populations. But when you get below that number, then just too many people get it at one time, and that's what we're seeing now in Clark County. And then it spreads from there. But it's always trying to link it back to, to where it came from. And in many cases, it, it did come in from somewhere else, as it appears it did in this case. In uh, speaking of this guy coming from Ukraine or patient zero, I don't know if it was, don't know if it was a dude or not, but yeah. Um, how does how does the measles outbreak there compare to this in terms of numbers? Well, their numbers are quite a bit bigger. It's a large outbreak that, that Ukraine has right now. And it's one that the U.S. government health workers have been watching for a while, that one. And we're told one that's in Israel right now. And that, that they thought that if this came from anywhere, that it probably did come from Eastern Europe just based on the size and the travel that goes back and forth. In fact, this is uh, Scott Lindquist. He's uh, the state epidemiologist in Washington uh, describing how this works. You know, we all live one day away from each other on an airplane flight. So what has happened, well, we've got 
control of measles within the United States, most of our cases are coming from the global outbreaks that we're seeing. Yeah, and he says that, that it goes back to matching the strain, and in this case, D8, that matches back to, to what they're seeing in Europe. And even though we don't know where this person came from or how old they were, that this does match up with that strain that's being seen uh, in the, the area around Ukraine. So good chance they came from there. Uh, but now they've got to try to slow this down. No matter where it came from, efforts are underway to keep those kids away from other kids, to, to get kids vaccinated, but all of that takes time. Crazy. Crazy times. Alex Stone, thank you. You got it. Thanks, guys. Alex Stone there, the latest on what's going on. This measles outbreak up in the Pacific Northwest. It's also worth pointing out that the Institute of Vaccine Safety at Johns Hopkins says the fact that we're talking about patient zero being from another country uh, is typically how these measles outbreaks start. But it's also worth pointing out, according to Daniel Salmon, that this is not usually an illegal immigrant who's going to come here and sort of uh, hide from law enforcement. This is somebody who has enough money to travel here on a regular basis. They were here, uh, you can assume, on a visitor's visa or whatever it was just for a short amount of time. Uh, before the outbreak began. Coming up next, we'll teach you how to talk to your kids. No cap. That means no lie. No cap? Mm-hmm. Take some notes. Yes. Also, a thousand bucks we're going to give away. We'll tell you how you can win that. Gary and Shannon will continue. Because we're going to be legends. Time for us to tell you how you can win a thousand bucks. Win a thousand dollars right now. Text the nationwide keyword change to 200 200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's change to 200 200. Got to answer the phone. If you win, they'll call you. And if you don't answer, they'll move on to somebody who will answer and give them a thousand bucks. And then you feel like a loser. So let's not feel like a loser today. Uh, John and Ken are going to have the next chance to win an hour from now. In fact, every hour. Through the first hour of the Conway Show, we're giving away $1,000 an hour. The House Intelligence Committee has voted to send more than 50 interview transcripts from the Russia investigation that they wrapped up to Robert Mueller. They're going to back sending the transcripts during this closed-door session today. A couple associates of the president have been charged with lying to that committee. And Adam Schiff has said that Mueller should consider whether additional perjury charges are warranted in that case. Uh, four weather agencies say that this last year, 2018... The fourth warmest on record. And meteorologists, of course, saying that it's going to get warmer. Told you also about the upheaval in the State House in Virginia. The woman whose sexual assault allegations against the lieutenant governor has come out publicly. Vanessa Tyson issued a statement saying that uh, he forced her to perform a sex act on him during the Democratic National Convention in 2004. He said... He said the woman expressed no discomfort at the time or in the years after that. So, Well, it's hard to stay hip, isn't it? Off? Why are you looking at me? I'm pretty hip. Do you know what out-of-pocket means? Yes. What? The money that you spend that out of your own pocket. Mm. What do you think it means? No, it, it basically means your statement or comment was out of control. Uh, something's disorderly. So to be hip means to use terms incorrectly. Yes. Okay, go on. 
You want to hear more? I do. All right. Uh, Bad. What does bad mean? Bad means good. Yes. I think Michael Jackson made that one. But it means better than good these days. Better than good. Like great, maybe. Okay. Instead of great. Bet. Bet? What does bet mean? Bet is something like it's either Beto O'Rourke or it's I'm going to put money down uh, because I am hoping that something is going to happen or some. some you're, you're partially. This is crazy. Don't you have teenagers, Gary? You're partially <laughs> correct. Uh, bet is used when you're in agreement with something. Like some, if I text you like, hey, uh, let's go grab some pizza mm-hmm. and you write back bet, we're on. Like bet on it, but shortened. Okay. All right. So you're still again, with me? Again, being hip is just using words incorrectly. Got it. See if I can do this. <laughs> don't trip. You should know. Clear. Yeah. Like, don't don't lose okay. your mind on that Good. one. Yes. Uh, fam. Mali. Family. What does that mean to you? Family? Yeah. What does family mean to me? Like, would you describe me as fam? No. Okay, you'd well, be, that's what it means. You'd be fry. What is that? Or cow. <laughs> Friends. No, we can't. Let me just say, wow. let me explain. No, hold wow. on a second. Fry. Coworker. Fry, yes, mm, thank you. Yeah. Fry yeah. would be short for friend, and cow would be short for coworker. Uh huh. Or cow well, worker. No, they use fam to describe people in your life you're close with. So your friends, your ride or okay, dies, so I could your be, homies. You could be, you could be fam. I could be fam. Flued. Sp- spell it F L E W E D. Uh, this could be somebody bragging about getting flued out. Flued out? Mm-hmm. I was going to say flued like I left. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be like flown out, like you're leaving to go to a place. Like okay. C.J. Anderson's girlfriend? Um, mm. No? Oh. Hmm. So I left a place. So I flewed out. I flewed yeah. out of LAX. So again, using words incorrectly. Yeah, that's the way to be hip. I got uh, it. Get a bag. Get a bag. Get a bag. Like to put a bag over your head? Secure a bag. Make that money. Yeah. Making money. In bags? (laughs) Like a bag of money. When's the last time you got paid with a bag of cash? Oh, boy. Let's see. You're ignoring the question. Let's see. Lit? Lit is pretty easy. Okay. Yeah. So. If my kids have stickers that have these words on it. So I say like. This show is lit. lit. What does it mean to you? Lit. It is bad. <laughs> I'm going back to the original. Perfect. Right. Perfect. Okay. That, was, that was super hip. All of on. that. This lit show is bad. Uh, no cap. You already told me that means one. no lie. No lie. Yeah. I think that's explain. one of the things that we should adopt on this show. Write that down. No, no cap. cap. I did. I wrote that Put down. That but can you lexicon. explain where it came from? Can you explain the... Uh, uh, Entomology? No, etymology. Uh, well, I guess it could be. Uh, I guess it could come from the the word capping, you know, which means lying. Why you capping? So no cap is no lie. If I if I if I was hard pressed to to figure out the etymology of that, <laughs> I don't understand this one. Uh, occur with. Uh, O-K-U-R-R-R. Word made popular by Cardi B, who defines... Okay. Oh, okay. that's how you right. do it. You got to roll the Did you see the, the Pepsi commercial? Yeah. Now I get it. Yeah. Uh, something <laughs> that is said to affirm when minute, someone well, is being put Time in their out. place. Let's go back to the occur. You have to do what? You got to roll, like, occur. 
Get it? Yeah. No. <sighs> Never doing it out on this show so, again. Shade. You know so, shade. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Disrespect of some kind. Right? How about cis? Gender or cis no. like sister? Cystic fibrosis? No. no. Cis. It can be used in multiple ways, guys. If Spell somebody it. Is it? S-I-S. Oh, okay. If somebody asks you what happened and you respond to a cis, it means there was a lot of drama that went on. And there's a whole lot more to the story. Like, like situations? Cis. cis can also be used as a term of endearment towards friends or anyone, really. So you can cis. just call anyone cis. As opposed to bro. Yeah, I guess that's it. Okay. Stan. S T A N. Yeah. Stan. Yeah. Not in the old Eminem way. No. Not usual. Not no. Stan usual. Stan is a fan, but like a super obsessed fan. I just said Eminem. That's exactly what that is. Don't you remember the song Stan? But Stan was a fan. Stan was a fan. And you put Eminem in the trunk of the car? But yeah. But when you stand for someone, you are a fan. I'll give you credit for that. Wait a minute. Stan is a verb? Mm hmm. Okay. What? How do you? How do you? Use it? you like s- you stand for someone, so like or something. Um, like you're a fan of that. Yeah. Okay. Like I do not stand for this segment. Wow. <laughs> I stand for that this lit cold. bad show. <laughs> oh. T. T E A. If you're sipping your tea, it means you're minding your own business. That makes sense. Or you can spill the tea uh-huh. and spread gossip. Yep. Ooh. Or having tea. Mm-hmm. You know thirsty. Mm-hmm. You know weak. Right? Well, I don't understand what the slang would be for weak. When someone thinks something is funny, hilarious, or entertaining, they might say, I'm weak. Like Monica oh, often, oh, oh, when she oh, listens oh. to the show, yes. she, she gets, she gets she weak. says, I'm weak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. She's debilitated by her laughter. Yes. And woke. You know woke. Sure. That's it. That's all I got. Those are pretty good. So to be clear, we're using which which sayings? No cap. No cap. We're Let's using just start no with cap. that one. Let's just start with that one. And cow. <laughs> start slow. Yeah. We're gonna use cow a lot now. Too. Maybe maybe not. Just in case a passersby may hear you call Shannon a cow, and that's not appropriate. I'm willing to explain it. That's not very woke of you. Yeah. Or is it so woke that people will throw shade, thinking that I am not woke? All right. Um, Listen, sis, we need to end this. Yeah, sis. Sis. Making me sad. (laughs) Jason Nathan's drinking tea over there. (laughs) (laughs) Bottled water. Yeah. Jason Nathan's is going to join us. We're going to talk about a couple of things, uh, including Ariana. Save us. Yes, please. Ariana Grande pulling out of the Grammys. She's (laughs) not getting along with them. Oh, and. Do you want to see a reboot of Lost? No. You, weren't you so confused in the first one? I never watched the first one. Uh. One foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. Well, look at this. Our buddy Chris on Instagram, Gary and Shannon, said, I totally stand for this show. Gary is woke AF and Shannon is off and lit. So there, Monica. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> great. Uh, we have been following a bunch of stories, including the reaction, of course, to the State of the Union address from last night. John and Ken are going to have more on that coming up at uh, two o'clock when they start their show. Also, been following the story out of Virginia, where the governor, of course, admitted to blackface. Now, the attorney general has admitted to wearing blackface. 
and then the lieutenant governor, the three people who are arguably in charge of the state. The lieutenant governor is also denying allegations from 15 years ago that um, he sexually assaulted a woman at the Democratic National Convention back when he was 25 years old. So all of that is floating around. Well, we've got some Ariana Grande music uh, news. Sorry. Jason, help me. What's going on with the Grammys? Well, they seem to be in a little bit of flux right now because Ariana Grande reportedly won't be at the show on Sunday. She was scheduled to perform, uh, I think, one or two songs. She's up for a couple of Grammys. She's arguably the biggest pop star right now. She has two number one singles in the past couple of months. But, and this has been a little bit of a problem for the Grammys over the past couple of years. She apparently wanted to do her current hit, Seven Rings. They said no. This is, by the way, uh, most of this is coming from Variety. Uh, they said, the Grammy said no, or if you do do that one, you can do a medley, but we want to pick the second song. And she said, no, Grammys, I don't need you. And now apparently is not going to go to the show or perform. What, do the Gram- what, do, what does the Recording Academy care what she performs? It's kind of a head-scratcher. You would think because she is who she is, and she's one of the biggest artists in the world right now, and loved by so many, uh, that she could kind of write her own ticket, do whatever she wants. Uh, but they want they want to control the telecast. I don't know if they wanted her to do one of her nominated songs, which is not Seven Rings. She probably wants to do Seven Rings, obviously, because that's her current hit right now. She has her new album coming out tomorrow. She wants to promote that, and you know, I think the artist should be able to use this kind of platform to promote their stuff, uh, but also play the hits. It's like when you go on Saturday Night Live, right? You get to do one of your one of your big songs and one of your new songs. Uh, so the Grammys, I guess, wanted a little bit of say in what she would play, but she didn't want to play by those rules. And this comes after last year. If you remember Lord, she was nominated. She was the only woman nominated for best uh, in the best album category. And for whatever reason, and this is a real head scratcher, they gave all the guys who were nominated a slot to perform at the ceremony. But she was not given one. She, not, I mean, not, not at all. She wasn't given uh, – all the guys had their solo time, and she was not offered anything except to be a part of the Tom Petty tribute, uh, to which she said no. And that seemed, that seemed really tone deaf, especially in this day and age when we're talking about Me Too and Time's Up and uh, making women more front and center. Uh, the Grammys really got hit hard on that one. Uh, did you also see this, that Jennifer Lopez is going to be performing the tribute to the Motown record label? Uh, did that come out today? I think that, I mean, that's an interesting pick of all the people. And they're saying, I mean, Twitter is blown up now because they're saying, did somebody misplace Gladys Knight's phone number or Diana Ross's <laughs> phone number? I mean, there's yeah. there, how many it's, dozens of other artists that have actually worked for the label right. would be more appropriate. It does seem to be a little tone deaf there that there are so many other people who would be a little more appropriate for something like that. But, again, they're trying to put on a TV show. So they, I, they're they trying to go for what they think might get the most eyeballs, um, and that's what I think that they think might be in their heads. I don't know. I'm going to talk to the executive producer of the Grammys tomorrow, Ken Ehrlich, and I'm going to ask him some of these questions. So you've got some um, ABC programming information to tell us about. Yes. I'm at the Television Critics Association Winter Press Tour here in Pasadena, the beautiful Langham Hotel, where for uh, over a week now they've locked us in a ballroom and 
plied us with television news. Uh, and that sounds terrible. It can be. It, they feed us very, very well. So that I, makes I was being great. facetious. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like a lot of fun. No, no, no. Let me tell you. At this point, after after seven days, and it, we've got another six or seven days to go, it's it, it's a rough slog. I mean, I'm not asking for anybody to feel sorry for me, but it, it can be pretty mind numbing. Um, and one of the things that has, so far uh, that's come out of this is that we haven't had a whole lot of executive sessions, which is where the executives from the TV uh, branches and the TV studios come and uh, give us an update, uh, give us news, um, and face a lot of tough questions. And that hasn't happened so far, except for yesterday was the first uh, ABC executive that came and, and gave us some actual news. Uh, and one of those things is that Modern Family will be ending after the next season. So they're in the 10th season right now. Next season will be the 11th season. and That'll be the last season for them. And of course, Modern Family, you know, it, I, people have stopped talking about it as you know, uh, all these streaming shows have come up over the past few years. But if you remember, Modern Family went five for five when it first premiered in winning Emmys for Best Comedy. And it was the most awarded Best Comedy uh, aside from Frasier. It ties the record for the most wins in that category. So that's a big show for them to be ending. But I think a lot of people would say it's probably about time. Uh, And is there a drinking problem at the head of ABC television where uh, they say they want to reboot Lost? No. Okay. So this is an answer to a question. They, the networks come, they play a sizzle reel of all their hits, and you know, some they sometimes they include past things as well. At the sizzle reel for ABC, there was a clip of Lost, which prompted a question: Hey, should we be reading any anything into that? Since everybody seems to be, you know, all into reboots these days, should we be reading anything into that that you're going to be rebooting Lost? And Carrie Burke, who's the new head of ABC, she's just been on the job about two months now. Uh, she said that she would she would love to see that show. I mean, it would be great, but there are no plans as of right now. But I, I got to say, this this one little quote, and it was a very small quote, has gotten so much attention over the last day. If the execs at ABC are smart, and I think they are, they're probably looking at that and going, hmm, maybe we should be thinking about something like that. I hope not. I was so confused. I never made it through season four. I think that's where I ended up. I'm still, I don't get it. You're still lost? I'm still lost. <laughs> I think that's about where I made it to as well. Um, but I, I, I like the show. and there's, I mean, there are a lot of rabid fans out there. But I think that's one of those shows that you can't, that's a tr- real tricky one to, to redo. The comedies, I think, are a little easier. The Magnum PIs of the world may be a little easier. Lost is so kind of niche right now. I, I don't know. That would be tough. Yeah. Jason Nathanson, appreciate your time. Appreciate the update. Take care, guys. Speaking of an update, I've got one on that plane crash into the home in your Belinda on Super Bowl Sunday. It's got, got a bunny ranch connection. What? Yes, I'll tell you all about it. Gary and Shannon will continue. I'll give you say that Nancy Pelosi's clap was sort of the clap heard around the world yeah. last night. Yeah. When the president was talking about unity and he turned around and acknowledged the Speaker of the House and she did that weird clapping thing where she kind of leaned forward and talked to him. A couple of funny reactions to it, including Nancy Pelosi's own daughter. Yeah, she said it reminded her of her teenage years. Clear, I mean, yeah. I get it. I totally see that. There was a, an a opinion piece by Monica Hesse in the Washington Post that described this 
odd clap. And it was very, very well written. Uh, her lips, uh, what was it? Her, she was not passive in all of this. Uh, she was seated behind the president's left shoulder consistently in the camera's lens, sidestepped that issue by making her entire face a silent, screaming rejoinder. Uh, it was very funny because it talked about how it is that Nancy Pelosi was able to make this thing sort of a, a, a profanity without being a profanity. I think that's how Patton Oswalt actually described it. She wasn't booing the president. She was acknowledging his words. She was providing him in the technical sense with exactly what he was hoping for, approval. I, I saw a tweet that crystallized it for me saying that Nancy Pelosi invented the F.U. clap. <laughs> yes, Monica goes on to write, this was a derogatory clap, make no mistake. This was mockery wearing a half-baked costume of politeness. Well, one could argue that as he's talking about how we should all be working together and unify, that it's kind of funny seeing that the 2016 election kind of ripped people apart. But Right. I mean, uh, there's there's no better example of a guy who does everything he can to, you know, to intimidate people by calling names, etc., calling for unity. It's just Virginia's attorney general uh, will no longer be a top leader of a national association. This is the guy this morning who admitted he wore blackface at a college party. The Democratic Attorneys General Association issued a statement today saying that uh, Mark Herring offered to step down as one of the co-chairs of the association. That That's still like the lead story, despite the lieutenant governor's sexual assault accuser coming out today with details of the assault back in Boston in 2004. Which you said is sort of proof, it appears, that that dressing up in blackface 35 years ago is worse than a sexual assault 15 years ago. It, it appears. That's. It seems to be the case. Hey, before we get to the story about the Orbelinda plane crash, we're giving away a four-pack of tickets to the L.A. Travel and Adventure Show. Caller number six is going to win a four-pack of tickets to the 14th annual L.A. Travel and Adventure Show, two days only, February 16th and 17th, down at the L.A. Convention Center. So caller number six, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. Yeah, By the way, call. Come on, it's time to call. Let's you call. You can yeah. also enter now at KFIAM640.com to win a trip. To Switzerland, courtesy of Switzerland Tourism, Swiss International Airlines, and Eurobound. Find out more about all of that at the L.A. Travel and Adventure Show. And you can buy discounted tickets for the show as well at latravelshow.com. We told you about the the small plane, the Cessna, that crashed into a home in Yorba Linda on Super Bowl Sunday, killing a family of four inside and leaving a, a four-block long or four-block radius of a debris field We're learning more about the pilot. The last thing we talked about was the fact that he had a retired Chicago police officer's credentials on him, but never was in the Chicago Police Department. Well, today now we're finding out that the pilot may have had a famous friend and client in Dennis Hoff. Dennis Hoff of the Bunny Ranch. 75-year-old Antonio Pastini was the pilot who died in, in this crash. And TMZ is reporting that he was best friends with Dennis Hoff for 23 years. That Tony frequently flew Dennis and his girlfriend in that same plane he was flying when it crashed into that home in Yorba Linda. And there is a picture of Dennis Hoff and his girlfriend standing outside the plane and the tail numbers match up. 
the tail numbers from the plane that crashed and the tail number of the plane that Dennis Hoff is standing in front of. Different paint job, but I guess that's not too hard to to change, right? They say that uh, Dennis and Tony's relationship extended beyond uh, a, a client-pilot relationship, that this pilot apparently owned a restaurant called Kim Lee Sushi in Carson City where Dennis Hoff loved to hang out with ladies from the Bunny Ranch. There was also a a joke to be made there. No, there isn't. Uh, The 72nd birthday uh, that they threw for Dennis Hoff just before he died, uh, one of the guys that he shouted out, hey, my buddy Tony is here uh, while making a speech, and that this relationship extended beyond just Tony and Dennis, that that Tony would fly the Bunny Ranch girls for free if they would – if they'd sport full of fuel, he'd take them wherever they wanted to go, basically. And there was another crash. Another crash where he survived an incident in which a, at a different plane, not this one obviously, but a different plane where he lost an engine but was able to get that one on the ground safely. And I wonder if that's just a matter of if you're a pilot long enough, you're going to have to deal with a situation like that. I think probably. I mean, I don't know. but When you see this, though, when you see that he's been hanging around with Dennis Hoff, and the story that came out yesterday that that uh, the police badge that he had was fake, or at least it didn't belong to him. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he kept the police badge on him for times when he got pulled over and, and wanted to flash his, his badge, because there is a bit of an understanding in the law enforcement world that uh, that cops let cops go. Unless you're in the LAPD and you're uh, having sex with one of your coworkers in a black and white and are so drunk that you've passed out. Well, maybe and, then, was... and then when the arresting officers show up, uh, you try to assault them. Maybe it was that they were in a different jurisdiction. Yeah. Because weren't they in, you know, they weren't in the city of L.A. when that was. Yeah, but see, there's kind of a, an agreement. Understanding. And the understanding. Na- the name on the top of the badge you, you know, doesn't you look, matter. You look the other way when you're uh, <laughs> a fellow. A fellow. Uh, Law enforcement officer. Yeah. Yeah, well, again, I don't know what connection or if this changes the story at all necessarily, but the fact that he was close friends with Dennis Hoff and used to fly him around as well, that's a strange twist to this already weird story. My dad, when he was driving, used to uh, put a San Francisco Police Department hat in the back windshield. uh, I do see a lot of those, the 1199 Foundation. 1199 Foundation, all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That one. This that one? button. This, now you got that one. How are you? Good. Was that one? It's really dark. Yeah, we like it dark in and here. And it smells like uh, food. Okay. It smelled like it's, that before we got in here. We didn't eat any food in here Well, today. you know, you leave a lot. We curse you, Gary, uh, often because you Wait, leave, hold on a second. Yeah, you leave rotted fruit cores in the uh, <laughs> fruit cor- John yeah. hates the smell of fruit. The only yeah. thing, the only thing that I'm trying to cover up is whatever garbage handle has thrown in there. All right, by two o'clock, there's a real, you know, <laughs> and we have fruit to take, core. Got it. We have to take the garbage can and put it outside, and it usually takes an hour before we figure out where's the smell coming from. You didn't. I'm you accusing Ken. Ken's accusing me. It's like, no, it's not me. What could it be? Oh, it's Gary's garbage can. I don't know. I. I remember seeing you two in here uh, make your own smells. Well, <laughs> I uh, no fruit cores involved. 
in the making of that air. <laughs> well, we like ours. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's other people's. Uh, we got Carl DeMaio coming on right after the news. Uh, there's a, a new water tax coming since those legislatures back in session. They're they're ready to go. New governor. They got a big water tax. Um, is it we'll an addiction a- that they have? Huh? An yes. addiction to taxation. <laughs> yes, it is. And they need another hit. Another snort. Great. All right, John and Ken, up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Oh. Blessings. Gary and Shannon. He's giving it the big build up there, and he did not deliver at all. What a shame. Nobody wants to see that.